Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's Weston Walker back at the Weston for ACC kickoff. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. As promised, we have Aiden White joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline if you don't know you should nc state cornerback all conference cornerback last year although not preseason all conference cornerback this year how much sense does that make to you if you got the award last year and you're not even on the list this season for the preseason votes um i say it's just preseason so i wasn't even on the preseason last year so yeah not 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 too much worried about what the preseason votes had to say. It's really what's going to be at the end of the season that you really should worry about. Not even a little bit, though? Like, even a little bit to, to have that as a chip on your shoulder? Are you going to make fun of the media members that did not vote for you at the end once you do get all conference? Nah, they just, they just doing their job, and they're projecting, <laughs> they projecting who they think will be. So I just have to show them. I'm trying to make Aiden White as unprofessional as possible, but it's not working. He's being <laughs> as professional as he possibly can. But you got some good tips, apparently, because yeah. NC State, you are by far the most inexperienced experience media day member here that nc state brought brennan armstrong you said this is like his third media day peyton wilson came in this is his second you said that they gave you some tips what were some tips they gave you uh just don't be too nervous with everything like some of the questions they're going to ask going to be similar in a similar fashion so you can reel off some of the similar answers right. and they're just telling me when we get to the big conference room like Definitely just try to find a person, because you, you can go in there, it can be intimidating at first. So when you go in there, try to find a person that's asking you the question, and you'll be good. All right, so I asked you what you wanted to talk about, because so many times you don't get to dictate that. I wanted you to control the interview a little bit. You said you wanted to talk about your depth. That's something you seem very excited about coming into this season. Why are you so excited about your defensive depth this year? Well, I say with everything with COVID, it gave everybody an extra year so. With the depth that we have, there's players that haven't played that know the scheme really well. So that would that'd be less taxing on me and Shaheen's body, not 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 us having to play every snap throughout every game. So we can have somebody that come in and relieve us so we can go out there. Because with receivers rotating so often, running go ball after go ball after go ball, it can get real taxing for a DB just being out there on that island. And that one play, he can guard all four of those go balls, but that fifth go ball will be the one that get him. So just having that depth that can come in and relieve you would be good. Is, is there like a, a snap count consecutively? Not that you're never, ever going to play more than five snaps on a go route, but is there one that you feel comfortable? Okay, I can give you 100% here. My fatigue might be setting in, so this is when you got to bring someone in. Is there like a snap count that y'all are messing with at all? Uh, not Just right. Test? Yeah, not right now. I would say mostly with me and Shaheen playing most of the snaps last year, you don't really think too much about it. You're just out there balling, but you definitely feel it after the game on your body, so... But like I said, just having some of those guys come in and relieve us would definitely uh, help us later on, later down the road. How much were you feeling fatigued after the 86-yard pick six? That you oh, had? I, I had to take a break after that. <laughs> no, no, I, <laughs> I had to take so. a break after that one. I imagine so. That is the voice of Aiden White on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, the NC State All-Conference cornerback. Aiden, you made a huge leap last year, reaching all ACC, as we've mentioned. What are some of the things that you fine-tuned this offseason heading into the upcoming year? I would say I've been working a lot on my man press uh, technique. They're allowing us to do that a lot more within our scheme. So, and just being being able to decipher routes a lot better, being better at my eyes. So, last year was really my first year being on that stage as a starter. So then I think I can just build off what I did last year to make this year even better. Well, and we are also talking about the ACC in general. 
I'm excited as hell for this year. Like, it seems like there's a lot of talent within the conference, and there's always talented pieces, but it does seem this year nobody's sneaking up on anybody, except for NC State, because they always seem to. Even if nobody's talking about NC State as much, you guys at least rattle off eight wins. But people still talk about you guys getting over the hump. What does getting over the hump mean to you? What is that next goal you're looking to reach? I would say ACC championship, national championship. That's that's the that's the goal that you start every summer workout with. You want to get there. You want to, and any anything below that would be disappointment. So we're just working towards that ACC and that national championship. I feel like that's probably getting over the hump as well. An ACC <laughs> championship would be fantastic for NC State. You have to get through some pretty talented quarterbacks this year, though. I mean, the ACC are going to be covering a lot of the receivers that those quarterbacks are throwing, uh, that the quarterbacks are throwing to, and you had to battle a lot of good QBs last year, and you did a great job. Hardest QB you've had to defend so far, the guy that took the most preparation and was as good as you expected out there on the football field. Um, I'd probably say uh, UNC quarterback. He yeah. just... Especially with his balls, he's so he's so accurate where he places it. So it's real hard to definitely like a go ball over the shoulder. He's he's real good with how he places the ball. So that's probably one of the best that I've played so far. Um, you're even giving him credit after his comments at the beginning of last season when he said NC State is a place that guys will go to if they can't get in North Carolina. Ah, uh, yeah. Remember I, those comments? Yeah, I don't really trust <laughs> too much on that. But was that the whole team around though? Like, was that the the kind of reception you had going in? How much did you care about that comment when he? Made I don't think we really care too much. We just worried about being NC State and playing our ball, playing our brand of ball, which I think we showed. You absolutely did. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit more about Coach Dave Doran. When he responds later in the season, saying how elitist UNC is, discussing how much Carolina's coaching staff uses that against some of the recruits you guys are going at, or that NC State is going after, is that something that you respond to as a team when your own coach is talking about some of that even after the game? Is that something you guys respond to and then run a run through the brick wall and do that whole cliche? I definitely say Coach Dorn, leading up to that week, Coach Dorn gets us real hype about the game because it's a big-time rivalry in yeah. North Carolina. That, I mean, everybody's watching that game in North Carolina. So just we following Dave Dorn's lead, and he's a good coach that leads us in the right direction always. 100%. That's Aiden White joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Aiden, we appreciate the time, man. Have a great rest of your day at ACC Media Day. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Yeah, awesome interview there. Excited about NC State season. This is what happens, right? I saw David Hale put together some tweet, I think a couple of days ago, something like that, where he was saying NC State's going to do the thing where no one's talking about them, and then here they rattle off eight, nine, ten wins, and it was somewhat unexpected. I know how much respect you have for Dave Doran, Fiddy. I know that you are a diehard North Carolina fan. We all know this. But at the same time, you've had a lot of respect because this is someone that continues to turn out winning season after winning season. And no, it's not anything crazy like getting to ACC championship in consecutive years. You have the times where, yeah, the verb NC stating when you lose a game you shouldn't, that's still there. But at the same time, you still have an impressive record every single season. I expect it to happen again with this NC State football team. What say you? You know, the thing that I always wrestle with when it comes down to talking about coaches in, 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 in the state is, is Dave Doran the best or is Dave Clawson the best? They've both built really consistent programs. And, look, I know for NC State fans you want to get over the hump and, and, and go to a conference championship game and go to a New Year's Six Bowl game, and rightfully so. But there's something to be said about knowing every year you got a chance to win eight to nine games in the regular season, maybe, maybe ten. You've owned North Carolina 
for the last half decade or the last decade or so it has felt like. So in, in, in the biggest game of the year, your team always shows up. And he has built a consistent winner in Raleigh. And I, th- I think that's important because that's something as a Carolina fan, I want consistency. Give me eight to nine wins on a consistent basis, and you, man, my complaining will go down. And so, <laughs> um, you, you know, he, he's done a fantastic job. I thought he should have gotten more consideration for other big jobs around the country because I think if he went to a, a place with more financial resources, with better facilities, stuff like that, maybe he could be a championship type of coach. We, we don't know because he's still at NC State, but he's done a remarkable job in his time at Raleigh. Well, and to be fair, Tennessee wanted him. And then yeah. when they were doing the whole musical chairs thing of trying to hire a coach and then eventually that coach would get an extension from their school they were currently coaching at, mm-hmm. and then Tennessee had to go looking somewhere else, eventually all of that would would lead to after a couple of different coaches Josh Heupel who's done a phenomenal job especially last season but they did want Dave Doran and NC State able to hang on to him and you still are turning out winning season after winning season here's my question because it's it's not like nobody's talking about NC State I don't want to do the whole yeah, everybody was down on us I mean that's not entirely true but it's a big old wild card conversation about what we're going to get from their starting quarterback in Brennan Armstrong and their offensive coordinator in Robert and I because the last two times, or the last time those two worked together, it was in 2021 at Virginia when Brennan Armstrong threw close to 4,500 total yards, had 31 touchdown passes, and only threw for 10 interceptions and had a 65% completion percentage on 500 attempts. Those stats are absolutely ridiculous, especially when you add the rushing total to it because he can move out of the pocket as well. It was night and day what you saw under a nigh compared to what happened under Tony Elliott. Because last year from Brennan Armstrong, you had 338 passing attempts, less than half of the passing total yards-wise at 2,200. You could double it, and you would not reach what Brennan was able to do in 2021. Seven touchdown passes in 10 games played, seven compared to 12 interceptions, and that was compared to 31 and 10 that he had in 2021. My question is, what combo are you going to get? Are you going to get Brendan Armstrong and Tony Elliott this upcoming season? Or are you going to get the same type of production level that Anai and Brennan were able to have in 2021? If I had to choose, Fiddy, I think you're going to get more of 2021. Yeah. I do. Brendan Armstrong is an older quarterback now. You're going back to an offensive system where he was able to be groomed in. Let's not forget, it's not like you only had that one year that Armstrong was successful. No, he didn't have as many passing yards, but you can go back to 2020 when Anai was still the OC, and Armstrong threw for 18 touchdown passes and 11 interceptions. You had some big-time wide receiver talent. You had Jelani Woods, who is now a tight end that the Colts really like up there. Jelani Woods was playing at Virginia, so you had some weapons to throw the ball to. But NC State is a well-coached football team. This is a team also that has a good offensive line that you can usually count on every single season. If you were to force me to choose, I would expect you'll get something closer to 2021 from Brennan than you would 2022, Brennan. Yeah, so would I. And, and with that, I, I think that gives them a chance to be in a position to win. I would say nine, maybe, maybe ten games because, you know, look at how good they were a year ago. and They played four different quarterbacks, you know, because uh, Devin Leary didn't have the year he, t- he wanted to have. He got hurt, and then they just kept, you know, backup got hurt and all this and, 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 and all that. So... Um, if, if he's anything close to what we saw from two years ago, I think NC State is going to be what they've been the last couple of years, which is a pain in a lot of teams as rear ends around the ACC, and will give them a chance to put themselves in a position to maybe 
playing meaningful games in November with a spot in the ACC championship game on the line. So, and I can't wait to ask Dave Dorn about this a little bit later on, but if you look at the order of how their offseason went, you can see them go after Robert and I as their offensive coordinator. So they get Robert and I, he's the OC, their new play caller, and then they go after Brandon Armstrong, mm -hmm. which, okay, you could say, well, yeah, clearly it's because of Anai, and that's the reason they went after a quarterback that he had success with in 2021. But if he didn't like him, then you would just go towards a different QB. I mean, there are plenty of other guys out there. Granted, maybe not as decorated as what Armstrong did a couple of years ago. But if Anai really had a problem with his QB, then they would just go somewhere else. But you have to imagine the OC hire had a huge impact on what they decided to do at QB, moving off of another talented guy. Disappointing when he was healthy in Devin Leary, didn't have as many passing yards as I thought, and I've always been a real Leary fan, but he's in Kentucky, so you're moving off of someone talented, and people still like MJ Morris. Yeah. And so even with him being on the roster, I'm interested in what he thought after Armstrong committed to NC State in the transfer portal, but and I didn't have to go after him, Fiddy. But it does say something to me that he wanted to, and eventually that marriage is going to happen again. That's why I expect, at the very least, some kind of happy medium in the 2022 to 2021 mold and, and getting closer to two years ago. Yeah, the, 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 biggest, uh, the, the biggest thing the, the NC State fan base struggled with was they were leery of how their quarterback would play in big games. <laughs> now you got a guy in Brennan Armstrong that's back in a familiar system who's going to be well better coached because he's not going to be dealing with the disaster that Tony Elliott is as a head coach. And I think the thing is with, with what you saw with them hiring a nine first goes back to that, to what we've really heard in college athletics the last five to ten years, maybe even longer. Coaches or players don't commit to universities. They commit to coaches. You're going to see this happen more and more with the transfer portal being what it is, where schools are going to hire a certain OC to get a certain quarterback or something like that. You see that right here with NC State, and it gives them a chance to, to be in a position to be a really good offensive football team. They're always sound defensively. You put those two things together, they're going to be a tough team to beat this fall. So that OC-QB pairing, it's going to be fascinating, and no one can really tell you what to expect. Josh Graham told you he was being bad at radio yesterday because he <laughs> uttered the words, I don't know. But I think that is a perfectly acceptable answer. But if you were to force me to choose, I am a little more optimistic. With that, with that combo having such a wide range of outcomes, it feels like people are just assuming Mitch Griffiths is going to pick up where Sam Hartman left off. Maybe even not at that level, but you feel pretty comfortable. My question is, should we? Should we just assume that Mitch Griffiths, Warren Ruggiero, their offensive coordinator for quite some time, Dave Clawson, who has been a fantastic head coach ever since taking over the program in Winston-Salem, should we give them the benefit of the doubt? And should we just assume that Mitch Griffiths is going to be a good quarterback in the ACC? I, I think the, answer, the way you answer yes to that question is, if do you think that system is now refined? They've got, enough, they've got the right skill position talent around them in the running back room and the wide receiver room, where now it is plug and play. And, and I, would, I would venture to say yes, because when you look at the production that they've produced at the running back spot, at the wide receiver spot, it's easier to get better talent in those position groups to come to Winston-Salem. Is he going to be Sam Hartman-esque, where he's going to throw for you know, close to 4,000 yards and over 30 touchdowns? I would say no. 
But I think he's going to be a guy that throws for 32, 3,300 yards, 25-ish, 28 touchdowns. And if he's doing that, I think you'll see Wake Forest kind of be the same team they've been the last couple years where they're Carolina-esque. That offense is going to put up 40 points, it feels like, week in, week out. What do you get defensively determines how many games they win. Yeah, I feel very good about them. I do. I, I am assuming that they're just going to be they're going to be just fine offensively. No, you're, you might not put up the crazy numbers that Sam Hartman did, but think about the quarterback little history that you're developing over there at Wake Forest. Yeah. Sam Hartman, who was there forever, but then you go back, and I've talked about Jamie Newman also finding success under Warren Ruggiero and Dave Clawson. But remember, NFL QB, John Wolford, he was very good at Wake Forest. Fiddy, we've moved on to three different QBs that have all had success, and even if they have varying skill sets, even if, you know, you could argue, yeah, Hartman was better than the other guys, Walford was very good as well, Jamie Newman probably third, but Newman transferred to Georgia and was thought of as an NFL draft prospect yep. when he was playing well at Wake Forest. So we have three different QBs. That's enough for me to just expect them, hey, we have precedent. When they move off of a talented quarterback, all they do is just bring in another one. Mitch Griffiths knows the system. He's been there for three years, and when he's played, he's put up good numbers. That's why I think it's totally fine to assume that Wake Forest is going to have great offensive numbers once again, and their QB is just going to pick up right where they left off once again because they've done it three other times. Yeah, I, I think, and maybe you disagree with this, I don't know. I think that's what makes it a little bit more confounding that Dave that, that, that Dave Clawson hasn't left, that another better job hasn't came to him and said, look, man, we look at what you did at Bowling Green. You built that into a great place. Look at what you did at Wake Forest, where now you've got, as you mentioned, three straight quarterbacks. You know that you can coach that side of the ball, and it's an offensive-driven game. And, and so I, I think it's fair to assume, and I think it's fair to, to, to expect Wake Forest to win. I'd probably say they probably plateau at eight wins this year. But if you go eight and four in a year where you're replacing the best quarterback to ever play, you know, statistically in the history of Wake Forest's program, I think that says a lot about the program that Dave Clawson's built in Winston-Salem. 704-570-9610. Matt in Greensboro said State got a very good 26-year-old receiver transfer. Um, yeah, they have a couple of transfers, and you even heard Aiden White talking about the extra year of eligibility, really helping this program out. Mm -hmm. It helped them in the transfer portal, too, with a guy like Brennan Armstrong. I did get one tweet, though, saying from an NC State fan how much they hated the pickup on Brennan because they wanted MJ Morris. That's not an uncommon take. There are people that wanted Morris to be the guy coming in. I mean, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a little uncommon, but to me, I've heard that multiple times. Yeah. Is that crazy before we end this segment and then move on? Is it crazy? No, because I saw MJ Morris do some, some nice things and big moments last year for NC State. But if, if you go back and you watch Brennan Armstrong's tape from two years ago, there was a point deep in the year he led the country in total offense responsible per game. He was responsible for over 400 yards of offense per game before I believe he got hurt late in the year and, and, and maybe that, 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 that number got somewhat adjusted. That's the quarterback at Virginia leading, the, leading that stat. Now that guy is in your room with better talent, better coaching around him. If I'm an NC State fan, I'd be pretty excited about Brennan Armstrong being my quarterback in 2023. The college football schedule, it is picking up for us here. Live at the Westin Uptown, Charlotte for ACC kickoff. Joe Ovius of the Ovius and Gilio podcast. He just stopped by and gave me a cup. Positive vibes only. That's exactly what I, I want our show to be. Positive vibes only, Fitty. I know that's going to be tough. 
because you are the guy that you like to complain. You talk about it all the time. Two months, I've been happy. You have been happy. It's been fantastic. And apparently, you were in a bad mood yesterday. Oh, and I didn't even have to deal with it. It was bad, man. <laughs> it was bad. Well, I'm glad you're happy out here today again <laughs> at ACC kickoff. Joe Ovius coming up next. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're live at the Weston, Uptown Charlotte, ACC kickoff, day number two for us, day number three for the event overall. And it is a pleasure to welcome Joe Ovius on the Body Works Plus guest hotline of the Ovius and Gilio podcast. You can find it on YouTube, very easy, just type in Ovius and Gilio, and you can search him on Twitter, at Joe Ovius. YouTube influencer is what it says in your bio on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. How are you uh, doing in the influencer days? So far, so good. I mean, I mean, we picked two hell of a last. You know, our last names are really easy to spell. OG is such a good name. I know, I know, and we're going with that. No, things have been going well since uh, our positions were eliminated in this business. But as you know, what is radio? Uh, you know, you come out to Radio Row for for things like this at ACC kickoff, and you see podcasts, you see YouTube channels, you see the ACC network being non-stop with the cameras so we're just kind of moving with the times and things have been good and it's good to get back here and get hyped for another football season it's it's about time i'm ready for football i appreciate you indulging me with my request by the way because you brought me a cup yeah the cup's great it's a color changing cup i i thought it might be yeah. we're gonna have to test it out the color i look I'm it's gotta be old. cold though cold beer will really work with that thing look i'm five years old i'm gonna be enthralled with a color changing cup that's and just as, how it is as one of our listeners told me with all the merch that we've got stickers cups uh, some <laughs> other stuff there's like are you some sort of indie punk fan merch table i'm like yeah kind of we are I so we're making it. it work i also brought you baseball cards well this is this is what i wanted to get to because yeah. you have the best shtick here you are <laughs> opening the baseball cards with different guests that come over and yeah. not only baseball cards by the way yeah i've seen people open up am i right to say pokemon cards po- pokemon cards um i saw garbage pail kids that's what i i didn't you're okay so how old are you walk? i'm 30 okay that explains it <laughs> so yeah that so that that explains it so i'm 44 and there was a phenomenon known as the Cabbage Patch Kids. I know the Cabbage Patch okay, Kids. Okay, so they're in response to the Cabbage Patch Kids, mm-hmm. they made the Garbage Pail Kids. And there was all these... If you find the originals, they're worth money because they're incredibly problematic. Okay? Like these... I know people like to go on about cancel culture, which, shh, isn't real. Mm-hmm. But people would lose their minds in today's day and age. What So they've rebranded them. There's still a little, like, potty humor stuff. But it really is a line of demarcation of how old you are. Are you going Pokemon or are you going Garbage Pail? And, though the thing that really is 
you get a bunch of old sports media dudes in one room and you drop a pack of 1987 Topps baseball cards, they lose their minds. Everybody, People are going after Well, this. everybody's scratching their neck like Tyrone Biggum. <laughs> they need to open up more baseball cards. <laughs> I really did question whether I wanted you to bring over Pokemon because I had my face. Yeah. I had my big time face. And by the way, speaking of Pokemon, I promise we'll get to some actual ACC <laughs> conversation in a moment. Did you see Nick Curio's back tattoo? No, I didn't. Full of Pokemon now. Really? I mean, straight all across his back. Okay. I saw Blastoise. I saw Gengar. I saw Mewtwo. I'm embarrassing myself by listing all these Pokemon. No, it's okay. But I saw Live all of truth, them. Live your truth, man. I'm living my truth by telling you, it looks cool. I would never do it. If you get one Pokemon on your body, yeah, probably not anything that I'm going to roll with. No. But this guy has nothing but the original 150, 151 if you want to count Mew on his back. Now, would you go original thick with two C's Pikachu? <laughs> or would you go so, with the cartoon skinny Pikachu? Oh, I like the... It's almost like you put it in Microsoft Word and then clicked on the box and then clicked the wideness yeah. and you didn't go diagonal yeah. box. Yeah. I feel like they did that when they were first coming out with Pokemon cards yeah. and you got thick with two C's Pikachu. I, I like that. Thikachu, if you will. <laughs> Thikachu? I'm trying to make it work. It's Joe Ovius joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I wanted to talk a little bit about some of your main takeaways so far, what you've had. Um, let's start with Jim Phillips, because yeah. chronologically, he hit everybody with media availability and gave us some comments. What was your main takeaway from his presser? Look, uh, Jim Phillips is representing what the presidents of the ACC want. Uh, in the same way that we bang on Roger Goodell for the ills of the NFL, he's the meat shield for the owners. He gets paid a lot of money to go take those arrows for the owners. And Jim Phillips, or any commissioner, really is in the same boat. So if people get really annoyed at the way Jim Phillips is a true believer in the collegiate model, he wants student-athletes, not employees, I'm not going to fault him for it. It comes from a genuine place. He's not just saying it to say it. He actually believes what he's saying. And I've made the joke, he's, he's kind of like an Obi-Wan, man. He's, he's got that that hokey religion that he believes in while we all kind of see where the reality of this is going. And that and that's the thing that every college commissioner and every president, every AD, every coach is going to have to understand. In the next three years, there's enough, there's enough legal matters that will be settled in the courts that will ultimately decide that student-athletes are employees of the university. They generate way too much money for these schools for them not to be considered that. It's run like a business, so you might as well treat it that way. That might bother some of the listeners. It's fine, but just think about it. Think about yourself at a company. You bring value to your company. You, you expect to be paid to do that. And you don't also want an oversight committee to get in the way of your earnings. And what's funny about some of the stuff that's going through the legislation right now, I, I read one piece from a, from, a, from a constitutional legal scholar Look at you. Who said, shout out to Matt Brown, Extra Points. No, no, Matt Brown, Extra Points newsletter. If you're into the business of college sports, I highly recommend you get his newsletter. But he had like a guest post from a guy whose job it is to look at this constitutional legal stuff. And he goes, if they pass it, it's illegal. It would not hold up in court because the government can't do these types of things. So I just wish that one of these commissioners and the one that we actually care about, the ACC, would go a step forward and hit up the Saudi investment fund. No, I'm kidding. There you go. Uh, and bring all the money in. No, I'm kidding. I, I like you no, whispering just... cancel culture isn't real and bringing up Saudi money. I love that. The text line is going bonkers. Right uh, they always do. <laughs> ask, ask Kyle every time I come on and, and I start you know, bringing up Cam Newton again. And then the uh, the text lines. I know, I know how Charlotte works. You know all the hits, man. <laughs> I know how Charlotte works. Like, Y'all don't know I don't pay attention. You want to anyway. talk about bringing a baseball team to the city? You want to talk about that as well? You well, know you actually are, you, honestly, you're in better position than our area is in the triangle. I mean... 
uh, the only thing, if I if I know my local politics correctly, the Knight Stadium, as nice as it is, was boxed in and they can't expand it. You know, it's Who's not talked about. Galaxy enough. brain was that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. and you got a guy like David Tepper who brought live music to the area. I might remind you. Thank you, David. We appreciate. So that. maybe he wants to bring baseball too. He's not bringing Messi because <laughs> they ain't putting grass on the field. But yeah. that's another matter entirely. Uh, that's Joe Ovius on the Body Works Plus <laughs> guest hotline. Ovius and Gilio podcast. I love every bit of it. You brought up Obi Wan. I feel like Jim Phillips was telling us these aren't the drones you're looking for when telling us how the league is in a good place, but not even so it much is, changing. Or no, and this is what I'm saying. Like, so many people feel like he's trying to wave his hand and hypnotize you, but everybody loves to clown the commissioner for every sport. Yeah. Rob Manfred gets a four-year deal. Everybody clowns it, but Rob Manfred still, you know, as the commissioner of Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. apparently he's doing enough to, you know, appease the owners within sure. the sport. Everybody loves clowning Roger Goodell when really I think a lot of the criticism is more reserved for the owners. My question is, let's make it real simple. Is Jim Phillips deserving of all of the criticism that he gets as much as he does, or is he actually not as bad as everybody thinks he is? John Swaffer got the same criticism when he was the commissioner of the ACC. It's also not his job to make sure that Florida State isn't broke. That's Florida State's problem. Florida State's the one that's made the decisions to get out of the hole that Jimbo Fisher put him in with bad hiring decisions. Now, credit to Mike Norvell, who seems to have turned this thing around finally in a pretty quick turnaround with the transfer portal, things like that. But Clemson's been running the league. Florida State should be good. Is it Jim Phillips' fault that Miami can't make the right hire? And I don't even know if Mario Cristobal is still the right hire. He might not be futuristic enough for what Miami needs to do. So that's not that's not Jim's fault. And ultimately, we there's two problems in college athletics right now. One of them is who sets the tone for the conversation? ESPN, right? ESPN's your partner for the ACC network. They're here. They do a good job. They hire some good people. But do they ever put an ACC network person to set the table for the college football discussion on their national show? No. Who do they put on? Paul Feinbaum. What's Paul Feinbaum's job? <laughs> Paul Feinbaum's job, not to just be a, a truth bomber, but also to promote the SEC. That's who he rolls for. So he gets on there and he starts clowning Clemson. He starts clowning other, you know, Dabo and various other things or Notre Dame. Who's that benefiting? It's benefiting the conversation around the SEC. So you have to take a look at, look, college athletics, college football in particular, thrives. The oxygen of college football is stupid conversations. We love the hypotheticals. This team could be, this passes the eye test, even though we know this team just beat this other team. So that that's kind of a problem for the ACC. They don't have anybody that really runs the show the way Paul Feinbaum does. And they never will because the ACC fan base just isn't wired like the SEC. The other problem that we have, too, when it comes to uh, the ACC in particular, is that, and the reason why they're in the, mon- the monetary situation they're in right now, is because the teams that they expanded to get were not as build. Miami never showed up in an ACC championship game until 2017, yeah. and then they got run over by Clemson at Bank of America Stadium, and now they're going through it again. Florida State, as I mentioned. Are you telling me that the ACC's financial situation wouldn't be better if those three teams that I mentioned, and Virginia Tech, how am I forgetting? Kyle's probably yelling at the radio right now, that <laughs> had Virginia Tech not gone through the wilderness post but uh, Beamer ball, that the ACC would be in a much better position. But that's on them, not the commissioner. Yeah, is it that simple? I mean, is it just, hey, Florida State, Miami, be better, and we're not talking about yeah. this so much? It's not that complicated, man. It's not that complicated. We're, we're acting like, you know, doing sports talk radio is, you know, doing nuclear fission here. It's not. Go win. You have the resources. Go win. Uh, Texas is a prime example of this. How much money does Texas have? 
I mean, honestly, think about it. Yeah. Texas has run like the Dallas Cowboys in terms of cash. Does Texas expect that being unable to win in the Big 12 with all that money is somehow going to translate to winning in the SEC? I think it was Brett Yomark, the uh, Big 12 commissioner, absolutely roasted him, and he told no lies when he said Texas would rather lose to Alabama, Texas would rather lose to Georgia than getting beat by Iowa State because that's going to look better for them. But the point is, they're still getting beat. Well, and here we are talking about the conference, and I know it's talking season. Sometimes I will buy the hype and sometimes I won't. Sure. It's exactly the area I'm going to go into right now mm-hmm. with some of these hypotheticals. I, I do think that with Florida State bringing got so many guys back, mm-hmm. I, I like Florida State a lot. It's hard not to. I know they're the talk of the town, but they're also coming in with the kind of swagger that is very interesting. Plus, Jared Verse, top five pick. Trey Benson has some nice move to him. We know about mm-hmm. Jordan Travis. Like Florida State, Miami, it'll be interesting to see if Cristobal does have somewhat of the success that he has at Oregon with Tyler Van Dimes or Tyler Van Dyke showing up. I don't know, but mm-hmm. it does seem like they've got enough talent. Do we end this next season in a better spot than where we began with the ACC? They should. It should be. But we'll find out really quick with North Carolina, South Carolina. Because it's all about non-conference stuff, right? Yeah, it's all non-conference stuff, and we get those tests early on. And, again, I think the biggest biggest tell for me in terms of how the ACC is going to be is that South Carolina, North Carolina game right back here at Bank of America Stadium where game day is going to be. North Carolina has a top draft pick on the roster. They've gone through the portal to get better in the secondary. They made some coaching dis- coaching changes on the back end. Gene Chizik's still the defensive coordinator, but it tells you where Mac Brown is when they tell Dre Bly, thanks for everything you've done, yeah. but it's time to go in on a new direction. And they bring in a new offensive coordinator with Phil Longo going to Wisconsin. So I do think that North Carolina actually is going to be your, what is it, what's the thing you find water with, the, uh, the divining rod? Oh, you know, that's like, right. Is that I, I can't tell you. I, I think mean, that's the dividing rod, right? Where you're going to find the water. I think that's ultimately where it. you're going. Where the ACC going to go is going to be based on how North Carolina goes, because they really have the recipe there for them to have a really special season. If they can't get past Shane Beamer in game one, well, then we're right back having the conversation we always have. All right, that is the voice of Joe Ovius on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. It's time. I want to open these baseballs. Yeah, let's cards. do it. Yeah, you going right, to eat the gum? Um, Come on, man. Eat the you gum. You know what? Me. I will. I've seen you drink some pretty putrid stuff before. Yeah, so man. I, feel I, like I had I... a 1993 Carolina Panthers. You just got the team Coca-Cola. <laughs> it, tasted, it tasted like somebody had poured that soda into a dirty dish rag and then wrung it out. Yeah. Um, it wrung all, it out. I have the North Carolina Georgetown. I think I've got that Coca-Cola bottle. Not, or maybe 93 or okay. 82. <gasps> I think right I out of the gate. Are you opening with Mookie. some strong? Oh, yeah. Right that's out of the gate. Oh, these two are diehard Mets fans. Yeah, man. Take it. I got to give it to Gold might want it. Well, so, my question, what's the best card that we've pulled well, so far? Well, I was an Ozzie Smith. I was an Ozzie Smith guy. Oh, okay. So, when I got the Ozzie Smith card. Oh, Kirby Puckett. Oh. Um, so, Kirby Puckett reminds me of a historic fight between my brothers when it eventually <laughs> led to one of my brothers at the top of the stairs, one of my brothers at the bottom. The one at the top had my brother's Kirby Puckett rookie card saying, I'll bleeping cut it, Bobby. I'll bleeping cut it. Eventually cut it in half. Rookie Kirby Puckett card. That was his. Look at Roger Clemens before the uh, the alleged enhancements. Is this the best pack you've ever? uh, Terry Francona? As a cub. That's good stuff right there. I haven't all right, man. gotten anybody with the kind of star power, anybody at all. So, like, hey, I'm looking for anybody. There's a top special spring fever baseball offer. Um, you think if I send this in, I'll get one? I think so. I'll I mail th- it in. I, I, we'll think, see what I happens. don't think the expiration date has. So you guys uh, don't have cameras? No. Because <laughs> you know what? We, don't. we need you, you need somebody to film, you and me. All right, let's do it. Get the gum. 
I almost threw it away. No, accident. you can't do that. You can't uh, do by that. By the way, I think Whitey Herzog. That's the best one I got. That's well, you, you know, know, we had a Tommy Lasorda, and it's wild to me how Tommy Lasorda already looked like 100 years old in 1987. <laughs> it's like, man, has he always looked like this? Yes, 100%. Um, I think I have every piece. It <laughs> Here's is crumbly. It it's is fine. There is the, it is thick. I'm a wor- word of warning, okay, because uh-huh. I did this once already. Jeff Halfley, by the way, is the only coach here who's had the gum. It's going to disintegrate. I hope you go get water at, at the break. And again, I asked the reason why I asked cameras is, y'all, it's 2023. You got to go viral. You I ready? Know. I even come from somewhat of a YouTube background now with the You're podcast. young. Come I know. on, man. I know. All right. You Don't let the 44-year-old do this. All right, ready? Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers to you. gum. Boom. You hear that? <laughs> you hear that? You hear that, guys? Oh, God. Yeah. That is crunchy. Mm-hmm. All right. That is all kinds of bad. That is gross. <laughs> Wait, does it, it takes me back to when I was eight years old. What are you talking about? Um, oh, I've got more. I'm going to do it. Oh, God. You hear that? Mm, that's gross. That's Joe Obvious <laughs> making me eat what is awful gum that is probably 50 years old. Find him on YouTube. Obvious and Gilio podcast. This is, this is the hardest I've ever had to give us an outro here. Joe, we appreciate it, and also I'm a little mad at you right now. <laughs> Find him on Twitter at Joe Obvious. Shroppy, send me to break. I'm desperate. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm still struggling. I'm not going to lie. That was brutal. Um, I appreciate Troppy at the Planet Kia Studios hitting that outro button, making sure that we got to break okay, because Joe Ovius was 100% correct in saying that the gum would disintegrate. First, you heard the chomp, the crunch, that no gum should ever sound like, period. I don't care how old it is. And then it disintegrated, and now it's still, it tastes like cardboard. It does. It tastes like cardboard gum. But Fiddy is happy because he's going to take all the baseball cards back home. And this is something you're going to start doing again? You're going to start collecting baseball cards once again, Fiddy? Yeah, no, this is something that I've been wanting to get back into. Uh, the Hog Father has told me that I need to be prepared to spend money because the card game has gotten very expensive. Um, but y'all just gifted us, I don't know, 15, 20-something cards that are going to give a, a great way to start the collection back up. And the first one that, that, that Joe opened up yeah. was Mookie Wilson member of the 1986 Mets team that won the World Series. So it was just meant to be that these cards were supposed to go to mine. And also even Flounder. He got Davey Johnson. Uh, Dave Johnson. Davey Johnson. He said the best manager in Met history. I disagree with that, but it worked out for both of us, even though you had to eat an old piece of gum. Oh, it was so bad. It was one. It was so, so terrible. 704-570-9610. We appreciate you listening to Wesson Walker Sports Radio. Again, 92.7 FM. Um, we're going to have plenty more guests come in and uh, help us out as the schedule rolls along. We've got Aiden White already done. 
He'll be on the website soon, WFNZ.com. Just click the Wesson Walker tab. But we've got Dave Doran coming up. We have Cedric Gray, Cade Klubnick. Still plenty more guys to talk to in just a moment. And in the 2 o'clock hour, it's going to be really busy. That's when Wes is going to come back and help us uh, with all of those interviews. I did want to talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers because it's going to be all college football in the 2 o'clock hour. And some of the main storylines, Bryce Young being QB1, that was the main storyline that you saw nationally, but it didn't necessarily take off here because we already knew that. We already knew Bryce Young was going to be the starting quarterback as soon as we get to week one of the NFL regular season. LaVisca Chenault is the guy that seems to be getting as much play as anyone over there right now. I do think that once you start to put pads on, I believe that's going to happen on Monday, we can start to evaluate what offensive linemen are standing out and what you're going to get from opposite pass rusher Brian Burns, YGM. Is this going to be his time to where he can finally take over and live up to a second-round billing where he was only, what, at seven spots away from being drafted in the first round? A lot of people liked that pick when they did make him the selection out of Penn State. So once you start to have the pads on and you start to get a little more physical, ease your way into camp, I think a lot of eyeballs are going to be on YGM. What are some of the other things that you'll be looking for as training camp goes on here? Well, I want you to know it's not a coincidence that they're putting pads on on Monday when that's the day we're supposed to go to camp as a show because they know the big boys are coming, so they're going to put on a show (laughs) for us. I I don't want to sound like a broken record. I've said it all summer long because they never invest in another pass rusher opposite Brian Burns. I want to see... Who steps up? Because the biggest reason, and this is why I got called the flea market GM and all that type of stuff, I'm hesitant to give Brian Burns the bag, if, if you will, because I don't think he's as dominant as some of these pass rushers that have that have gotten paid really, really a lot of money. Um, and so I want to figure out, you know, can they find someone opposite to give him a little bit of help? Maybe the scheme doesn't need it to be. Maybe Maybe they can scheme up pass rush in other ways. I don't know. If not, he's going to need some help because I don't think he's good enough consistently to win one-on-one battles to register that 15-sack season we're all talking about. All right, so somebody that was winning one-on-one battles yesterday was DJ Chark, who had a nice connection with Bryce Young. We have that soundbite from QB1. Go ahead, Troppy, and play Bryce talking about how his chemistry is growing with DJ Chark. And DJ is someone, again, who's been around, had a lot of success at, at, at different places. He's, again, a, a vet that he's a pro. He knows exactly where to be, super explosive. And, um, you know, really he's, again, he's doing all the hard work. Um, he's the one getting open. Um, and, you know, coach is calling great plays. And for me, I, I just try to get him the ball. Um, but, you know, it's been, you know, it's definitely been, you know, trying to build, you know, starting off OTAs, um, you know, not doing as much. And then towards the end, being able to get live reps. And then, you know, now this leading up to him being, you know, being able to go 100% uh, during you know during training camp you know that connection you know we're just trying to keep building it just like I am with, with everyone else so I'm you know had some connections which is great but again doesn't entitle us to anything tomorrow moving forward so um, you know I feel great and then well, we have to keep building just like you know I do and we all do have have, uh, have to do as a unit um, so you know good couple of things to learn from we'll watch it on tape and then learn from the bad stuff as well. What I do wonder and I've asked this question a bunch are we going to get a wide receiver du jour type of serving at Wofford? Are we going to get a wide receiver of the day that stands out and then we move on to the next one and then the next one and then we're feeling great about every single one of these guys on the roster? I will say I feel like everybody's had their moment in the sun with just in the first two days of training camp. DJ Chark has. LaVisca Chenault continues to be talked about. Adam Thielen, I think right out of the gate, Bryce Young started to throw to Adam Thielen a lot more. 
I will say Terrace Marshall hasn't shown up in the first two days. He was someone that had a lot of hype in this past you know, workout session, everyone discussing how he could be a real uh, big contributor coming into next season. And that's the guy I'm as excited about as any wide receiver, just because I still think the potential is there. And it's all about the health. But I do believe he can be an impact player if he stays on the field. Do you expect a wide receiver du jour type of training camp? And my real question is, do we expect that to be emblematic of what is to come for the regular season where it's really hard to try to figure out the hierarchy of the pass catchers? Yeah, no, I mean, we talked about this the other day where we were talking about who was going to emerge as wide receiver one on the Panther roster. And I'm of the belief that... You know, maybe they don't need to have a quote-unquote alpha dog. I think it makes it easier. I think it makes it harder on defenses to game plan how they want to take uh, how they want to take that person away or whatever. But I think if you look up and down the roster, they've got a lot of different guys that can do a lot of different things, and you're going to put that all together in the mixing pot, and it, it, it's, it's going to give you a great offensive ingredient. And so, uh, I, I I won't be surprised if the next time we're talking, we're talking about Terrace Marshall Jr. I think Jonathan Mingo is going to have his day. Yeah. Maybe maybe Shy. Smith shows up out of nowhere and has a day. Who knows? But I'm not surprised because this is what I like about the room. It's not it's not a great room, but it's a good, versatile room. And I think with Frank Reich and Thomas Brown, they'll be able to scheme up a way to get these guys the ball in creative ways. Now, Flounder was talking about the skill positions during the break, and he discussed LaVisca Chenault taking some of the snaps away from Chuba Hubbard, possibly, mm -hmm. because you're going to manufacture touches for LaVisca. I don't know if I see that as much. I don't know if both of those things go hand in hand. I still think Chuba is going to have a role on this team to the point where you're not necessarily using LaVisca solely as a Cordero Patterson. Like, I think you're going to see him in some of those situations, but I don't think that LaVisca is going to come in and get nearly as many carries per game because Cordero is just a flat-out running back now. Yeah. I don't expect that to be the case. Maybe you get somewhere of Cordero like after what going to new england is when bill belichick really experimented with him at running back and then he would bounce around to a couple of different teams so maybe lavisca is in the very beginning stages of his cordero patriot stage maybe that's something you could see and if so great because we know he's not a great route runner ben mcadoo knew that that's why i didn't want to have him run routes downfield it was always running the flats we'll throw you the football get the ball in your hands and see what you can do and by the way did a pretty damn good job when he did have the football in his hands. He did have the big old 80-yard play. He was very physical. And so maybe this is someone that does have over 50 touches after having 36 last season. I believe maybe missed, what, a couple of games because he was getting used to the system? Yeah. And here's the other important thing Frank Reich talked about with LaVisca. This doesn't have to be ironed out week one. So now that you're implementing it, it doesn't mean that we're going to go right away with LaVisca getting, what, five, seven, eight touches, whatever number you want to throw at him. You can start to put that in more so. Maybe in the second half is when you start to see LaVisca be more involved in the offense. Any thoughts on that before we move on to the last hour? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't want this, this staff to be afraid to take away snaps from Chuba Hubbard because I don't think you need to be worried about Matt Rule's uh, wife showing up and demanding he gets touches. <laughs> so I think that's going to happen. Is Chuba going to be known for anything else besides no, that? No, no. Poor Chuba Hubbard, man. Um, but I, I do want them to be a, there, there to be a concerted effort going into every week that he's going to touch the ball. I don't know, three to five times. I don't know what the right number is because he gives you that big playability that, that, that I think this offense is going to need this year. Um, and, and so I, I, will, will he line up at running back from time to time? I would imagine so. But do I think he's taking away snaps from Chuba Hubbard? No, I do not. 704-570-9610. Yeah, Big Cat Dan said wide receiver by committee, just like in 2015. There was Ted Ginn Jr. And then everyone else. 
how dare you disrespect Philly Brown and Corey Brown and some of those wide receivers. Uh, they're the same person, to be honest with you. Ted Ginn uh, Jr. Ted Ginn Jr. was great. Ted Ginn Jr. with Carolina was way better than Ted Ginn Jr. with literally any other NFL franchise. <laughs> he did have a moment, I think, with New Orleans where he was decent. Yeah. But other than that, it was all about Carolina. It, to Big Cat Dan's point, this wide receiver group, overall is better than what Carolina had back in 2015. That was led by a better pass catcher all around in Greg Olson, who at the time was in the middle of his three-year run, receiving a 1,000 yards or more, being one of the best tight ends in all of football. But you have a better overall group here at the wide receiver spot, in my opinion. We'll take a quick break. We've got one more hour to go, and that's when the guests start to pile up. Dave Doran, Cedric Gray. We also have Kate Klubnick joining us in the last hour. And I think the great Wes Bryant, the first half of the show. I think he will grace us with his presence as well. It's all still to come here at ACC Kickoff, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.